Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nine Bob Note. I am Paul. And I am Ken. Hello. Hello. Well, it's your turn this time. What have you got? Toxic fandom. Oh, right. <laughs> Take aim anywhere you like. Yeah, I mean, there's clearly one direction this is going to go down at some point. But there is an awful lot. And obviously, the advent of social media mm-hmm. and the Bird app has helped to magnify this. But certainly for a lot of TV shows or comic book series or film franchises or anything... There are a lot of devoted fans, and then there are a lot of fans who essentially exist just to complain. (laughs) And not only to complain, it's fine to have your opinion if you don't like something, but anyone whose opinion is different from yours about it is wrong. The obvious example of this is is Doctor Who, (laughs) uh, where, I mean, every time any kind of announcement is made, there are people, oh, well, no, no. Obviously, the the big one was when Jodie Whittaker was announced Mm -hmm. as the Doctor, Mm -hmm. and and immediately a lot of people, I'm not watching it again then, because the Doctor is a man, and I'm not going to watch it. And now, five, six years later, they are still the same people responding on every single story. Uh, Well, I don't watch it anyway. I haven't watched it (laughs) since. And you think, you obviously do watch it. And I certainly (laughs) didn't watch that Timeless Child (laughs) arc. Yeah. There was one one example of uh, of this was this absolute idiot who watched the first episode of Jodie Whittaker's Mm. Reign. And his review, which he posted around about 20 minutes into the episode, you know, to prove that he... I couldn't watch it. I switched off after five minutes, and that was just because I couldn't stand her trousers. And um, um. anyone who was actually watching it, the, those were Peter Capaldi's trousers that she was wearing. But also, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have, uh, because you've been involved in things like going to conventions mm. and things like that, where I'm sure this kind of thing... Uh, well, whenever I've been to... It's been a while since I've been to conventions, but there used to be a group of us from the Preston Doctor Who group, the, the four sort of well-adjusted ones, we all <laughs> mated together. So we'd have a, a yearly pilgrimage to a Who convention around the country somewhere, and we'd stop in a nice hotel, usually where the convention mm. was being held, and mix with the stars and treat it as a lad's jolly we stood out like a sore thumb because we were all suited and booted (laughs) and everyone around us was in black t-shirts with an aversion to soap (laughs) Uh, and no stranger to the cake trolley a lot of them as Mm. well but they do have a tendency to sit at home (laughs) furiously typing into keyboards about how things should be different and how they'd do it better yeah, I, I don't really like... Doctor Who fans are a, a bizarre bunch. <laughs> they have been watered down since the new series started in 2005 by... And certainly we saw a big influx of families. You'd get mm. parents taking young kids to Doctor Who conventions who really just loved Doctor Who. They <laughs> yeah. weren't analysing every line for, for that. But it's certainly not, certainly not confined to, to Who. I mean, I've seen... We talked last episode about Superman's son. 
Yes. And I do remember that. That rippled out. I don't read comics. I'm, I'm not a fan of any of the Superman series. Or, uh, I don't even, I've not even seen the Superman films for years. But that was so divisive that it made the BBC news that <laughs> Superman's son is a, he's, he's a bit gay. And there was just this outcry that you've introduced this particular type of character into our series sort of thing. Mm. When Star Wars Episode Eight came out, Last Jedi... <laughs> There was a group of fans that were so toxic they started a Kickstarter to raise enough money to make the film again the way that they wanted to make it. <laughs> That's the level of insanity. I would yes. say primarily science fiction fans. They mm. are a bizarre breed that you, you can tolerate. Simon Exton is far better at tolerating people than I am. I, I, my face just <laughs> gives it away these days. I, my tolerance level is just... <laughs> Whatever below zero is, that's that's me. I, I get annoyed with them before they start yeah. talking. <laughs> so I, I do get where you're coming from. Uh, particularly, I mean, uh, looping back to Doctor Who, it was so... T- I, I wasn't a big fan of Jodie Whittaker's era on, on so many levels. I didn't particularly care for the fact that she was a woman. I didn't, I didn't think it, it really fit the role. I can see why they give it a go. I'm not entirely against it. Um, I, I don't think she was the right woman for the part, but I didn't like the writing at all. So I've tried as much as I can to keep quiet about it. But I do get drawn into conversations a lot, and so I'll, I'll give my opinion. That is the period that's coming for the most flack. Mm. Um, but prior to that, you go back to the 80s, it was there in the 80s as well. Colin Baker, poor bastard, he <laughs> came in for some atrocious stick in the 80s. Anyone that's actually watched his performance or certainly listened to his, his audio performances, he's fantastic as Doctor Who. It's just, things can go go on for too long. It's like mm. um, any other big series like Game of Thrones or uh, uh, Walking Dead or anything like that. You build up a core of fans and the ones that have been there from the start, that, well, it's not as good as it used to be in the old, oh, this new series is dreadful, it's no... Whereas the people that are just casually viewing it as a series don't have that depth of feeling. It's just one more series that they're watching. The toxic yeah. fans are always the ones that that is their entire world. There's nothing yes. else. It's the consuming passion. I love this thing. I love it more than life <laughs> itself. Why are you not writing better things and casting who I would have in it? <laughs> yeah, uh, and that definitely, the the Jodie Whittaker era highlighted that to a great extent because there were so many people, especially younger people and especially girls who actually did enjoy it. And they would, you know, they would go on Twitter and they say, oh, you know, it's really good. I really enjoyed last night's episode. And because they weren't comparing it to something mm. from years ago and they also weren't saying, well, this is completely thrown the past 50 years under a bus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because they don't know about that. Yeah. So, but then as soon as they put an opinion to say, oh, I actually quite like that, everyone piles on like, no, no, it was the worst episode ever. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> and you just think, well, if it hadn't been for those people who did like the episodes, then nobody would have watched it and it would have been cancelled. So yeah. now we wouldn't have any show at all. So... You know, let them get on with it. If they like it, they like it. I mean, I mean all shows go through peaks and troughs. Mm. Look at Coronation Street. I know you're a Corrie fan. I dipped into it about, probably about 15 years ago now when I was married. My mm. ex-wife used to watch it and I would periodically dip in. Now that coincided with the period that Phil Collinson was the producer. Yeah. 
Phil Collinson had come from Doctor Who <laughs> and took over sorry. Coronation Street. <laughs> and so he started mining the past of Coronation Street and bringing back all these old characters. Mm. And people loved it. And I've what I saw of Coronation Street during that period, there was a lovely sort of mix of old and new. There was lots of new characters with young storylines. But then I remember vividly seeing scenes where Emily Rita and A.N. Other okay. were... No, it was three women, and they'd get together around the table with a teapot and just have a chat. <laughs> and I just thought, that's lovely. That is what goes on in terraced houses. Mm. It's, it's nice. That's a kiss to the old Coronation Street, how people did used to live. I'm sure there were people that didn't like that, and sure yeah. people that did like that. So you, you've got all shows morph over time. I think the only one that I've, is unrelentingly set in its ways is EastEnders. That, <laughs> that is just suicide for the eyes. That's if you really, really want to lower the any sort of dopamine levels that give you pleasure <laughs> at all, watch EastEnders, and that's 29 and a half minutes of distilled misery. Which is why I don't watch it. That's exactly it. And as you say, there are people, I mean, some of the Coronation Street fans, I don't know how you call yourself a fan when they haven't watched it since 1965, if you believe what they say, <laughs> and because they won't watch it since Ken Barlow kissed a black woman or something. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, and it went woke. <laughs> so they refuse to watch it, but they know everything that's going on and they have a negative comment, say, about every single thing that happens. You just think, Oh, come on. Nobody's forcing you to watch these things. Going back to Doctor Who, there was a an announcement quite recently that there's a, a new story coming out to celebrate the, as part of the 60th mm. anniversary celebrations. Doomsday, is it called? Oh, yeah. A multimedia thing, so audio and comic book and mm. all different kinds of stuff, but it's going to be one story running through which they have done before. They did. It was called Time Lord Victorious. Mm. They did it through lockdown. I didn't engage with it because no. I just don't have the time or the money, the money. <laughs> to be buying comics, CDs, records, and whatever the hell else there is in order to keep up with the story. It's a nice idea, but it doesn't really work because you've got to be really, really invested in something. And it doesn't work for me. Now, good luck to them. The audio segments I'll probably buy. Mm. Whether they work as standalone, you would think they'd have each story would have to work as standalone. And yeah. the audio is more than anything else because... Frankly, they're the ones that are more likely to sell than comics. And there is a third different type, isn't there? It's not just comics and is it, it's not a novel, is it? Uh, it might be. There might be a novel, actually. Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of these multimedia things, but I can imagine there was uproar. I don't look at yes. Twitter on a daily <laughs> basis. I've even ceded all podcast sharing responsibility on social media to Simon. He <laughs> loves doing it. I don't. It's just it means I've got to interact with Twitter. When this was announced, there was the usual, you know, lots of people quite excited about mm. it. Lots of people saying, no, I'm not interested in this. But then there was one guy who, I, be, I believe you're familiar with Ian Levine. Oh Levi my God. <laughs> Ian Levine once wished me dead. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think you had a, you had a pass. Yeah, we've, we've always been close. <laughs> He went on a, a Twitter rant about it. Mm. Uh, say, you know, and he put something like, "We." He was speaking on behalf of the true Doctor Who fans. We do not want 
a bunch of multimedia crap that's aimed at children. And it's like, well, it's a children's franchise. <laughs> but also, you don't have to do it. If, if that's not your thing, if you want to just watch the TV show or if you want to just subscribe to the audios, do that. That's fine. It was caps lock and everything. And it was just like... Uh, Ian Levine, the cosmic Lamange. <laughs> he's somebody that should avoid sharp objects, let's put it. He's another one. <laughs> and... He's one of these missing episode hunters. So he's right. turned up episodes over the years and self-appointed himself a sort of godlike status because he's if it wasn't for him, then we wouldn't have them. It's true, and mm. uh, and we're duly grateful to him. But they always tend to go a little bit bananas when they get in the spotlight, and he is no different. So Ian Levine's not somebody that anybody takes seriously anymore. Good. Perhaps he could be nominated for this week's Twitter Twitter. <laughs> really? <laughs> Cue the jig. That's my opinion! Yes, Ian Levine. <laughs> Ian Levine is responsible for this. And this. That's enough. <laughs> wow. That is enough. That was a song that he had released when Doctor Who got cancelled in 1985. Right. It reached something like 94 in the chart. <laughs> and that's that's uh, a lot higher than it should have been. How dreadful. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's uh, when fandom goes wrong. Yes. That, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> which, which brings us nicely to the uh, to the end. Yeah, but Ian Ian Levine is one of those people. He is. Um, if there's something to say that shouldn't be said, he will say it. <laughs> the one thing that I do want him to say is that there will always, always be 97 missing episodes of Doctor Who, uh, because the second that he says that, another one turns up. <laughs> <laughs> He's sort of in a rivalry at the minute with another missing episode once called Philip Morris. Right. Uh, who has, he's turned up a lot of missing episodes too and subsequently gone bananas. So they, they just, yeah. This sounds like a BBC Four spin-off drama. The Detectorists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get this commission. Yes. Will you search through the lonely earth for me? Climb through the briar and bramble. But yes, so uh, I think that, that uh, with that excellent example of toxic fandom, are we going to uh, rate it in both? We to- Shall we rate it in terms of what impact it has on a particular thing that they're a fan of? Hmm. Although they probably have the loudest voices mm. in the fandoms, I don't think anyone actually takes them seriously at all, as, especially as, as you eloquently labelled the cosmic plumage. I think they're just going to keep tapping away uh, and being ignored until they just disappear and fade away. So I, I think that this is going to be a two feather bowers. Really? Mm. Uh, I'm going to give it a four, actually. This Ooh. is not just concentrated on Doctor Who, this is across the board, because they do make the lives of the producers <laughs> quite difficult. Mm. Um, because they, as you say, they're a minority, but they're bloody loud. <laughs> 
So for Lucasfilm and Disney, they, <laughs> they did make hell on toast of the last three films. There was, I mean, there were behind-the-scenes problems too, but they were massively exacerbated by people just bombarding <laughs> the, the people that were in charge to the point where they were just quitting. Like, Fuck mm. this, I'm not putting up with these fat bastards in black T-shirts that don't wash. <laughs> but also, you know, we must have a clip of that somewhere. I'll just rummage around in the archive. Are you happy with the new series, Chris? It doesn't seem to have much to it. it. It hasn't improved that much since it went off the air. It could have been a lot better. It could have been slightly better written, especially the, the last story. Why? Uh, the same problem that it was too complicated? Well, not, that, not only that, but it was also very cliched. It was very routine, running up and down corridors and silly monsters. That was Sir Christopher Chibnall. Now, <laughs> the ultimate toxic yeah. fan. <laughs> uh, that was a, a recording from 1987. He was on Points of View or something. I can't remember the name <laughs> of the programme now, but he was a toxic fan in the mm. 80s and uh, made the life of the producer then quite unpleasant. Then he became producer. And that's what happens when a super fan becomes producer of a programme that they absolutely love. Yes. It turns to rat shit. <laughs> so, yeah, toxic fans, I'm going to give a four out of five because they do have the potential to do quite a lot of damage rather than just sitting back and enjoying the ride. Yes. Long may they rot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just probably just wrap it up there then. Yeah. so uh, yeah thank you thank you very much for listening and we will we'll be back very soon with more podcasty goodness freshly washed and in white t-shirts <laughs> bye kids bye Nine Bob Note featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss title music was by Mark Scheiman and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.